Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, in the first of our two Super Bowl preview podcasts, I am joined by Josh Norris and Hayden Winks from Underdog to break down the prop bets for the Super Bowl. We draft, snake draft even, our favorite bets from this upcoming game from the Caesars Sportsbook. But first, I wanted to tell you about another ESPN podcast, and that is in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions. They present Kyle Brandt's Basement, led by NFL Network's Good Morning Football host, Kyle Brandt. This Sunday through Thursday show explores the ins and outs of the NFL through lively guest interviews, including Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, every Tuesday. That's Kyle Brandt's Basement. Listen wherever you are listening to this podcast. All right, joining me now here, as promised, on the Bill Barnwell Show is two people who do wonderful work on YouTube for the Underdog Sports Network, two people who are very smart about football, one of whom hosts a show about scheme with Josh McCown, the other posts tons of stuff on Twitter about scheme and stuff he's seeing on film, people who are comfortable with the numbers, frankly, infuriating they're both really good at this and good on youtube as well joining me to draft super bowl props our underdogs aiden winks josh norris josh aiden what's up bill that was very kind of you i will say much much of the influence that you imparted on us over the years has seeped into the content that we make bill you have been doing this for a very long time at a very high level so we're just following in your footsteps bill let's put it that way (laughs) Can I can I be honest with you? Um, when you guys last year, I had a team an underdog that was doing very well. Yes. And you guys did a video uh, about the top five teams, and I was one of the top five teams. And I was excited, um, and I saw it. And you guys were super nice. You're like, oh man, Bill Barnwell, so great. And you know he's been doing this for a long time. And Hayden was like, yeah, ten years, no, twenty years. <laughs> and I was like, you, you, you couldn't have said ten years, Hayden. You didn't have to get to twenty. Also, I have not been doing it for twenty years. I was in high school. No, I was in college 20 years ago. I was in high school. I had graduated, but I was just like, oh my God, I'm so old. One of my favorite things, Bill, of doing a podcast with Hayden, uh, there's yeah. probably what, like a seven, eight year age gap between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And that is very relevant when it comes to pop culture. I found yes. out that the number one movie at the box office when Hayden yep. was born was Waterworld. And Hayden has not watched Waterworld in his past. So I always try to, speaking of bets and things on the line here, um, shoehorn away into a losing bet for Hayden that he almost has to do a movie report on Waterworld one of these days. I think one of the more underrated uh, performances of the time. You know, I didn't I didn't know that you were going to go in that direction. I've never seen Waterworld. So what? Yes. Yes. I thought this one would be right up your alley, Bill. Two things I love, water, world, absolutely. I understand why you would feel that way. But I, I, I it, it, was, it was one of those things where I think I was old enough to know it existed, but not old enough to like go on my own. Like I would have had to have my parents go wow. and take me to it. It came out in 90, 90, I was 11, it came out in 95. Bill, that is perfect. It's about a world that the polar ice caps melt and there's mm, water everywhere. Totally and they realistic. have to find 
<laughs> dry land. The map, spoiler alert, the map is on the 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 child's back in order to find uh-huh. this oasis. Um, anyways, I'm sure oh, your listeners will let me know. I'm sure your listeners will Josh, I'm not know. watching this unless Will Ferrell's in it. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that is that your only movie options? Only if Will Ferrell's yes. in it? Or Ace um, Ventura. Josh, what was the movie that came out when you were born? Oh, that's so a great number question. Um, the box office when you came out. July 1988 box office. I'm just going to find the first movie that pops up. Coming to America. That's pretty good. And then Who Framed Roger Rabbit was uh, was number two. Oh. It's not a bad duo. I thought you were going to say like Hamlet or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Bill, now, now your turn. Uh, 1984 box office July. Um, do 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 ghost ghostbus no karate kid karate kid oh good one Hayden has it no is. clue Hayden, I've gonna, seen that one give me a no, break you, you, no you see the one you the, the sun the new yes, one the, the, or, or the Hillary Swank one <laughs> yeah. uh Ghostbusters was number one the weekend I was born Gremlins Cannonball Run Karate Kid Bachelor Party which I don't know what that is mm. um I've never seen Bachelor Party okay anyway this is not football and people are tuning in to see hear us talk about football so what we are doing today is we are picking our favorite props from the super bowl as you probably know already sports books and casinos and all kinds of places release about eight million props for the super bowl each and every year today we're just going to go and draft them one after another and we're going to mix in some pickums from the underdog network or the underdog product as well which is wonderful um and we're just going to go and use that to talk about the game we're going to get some insight into who we pick why we feel the way we do um we'll maybe find some stuff that's crazy maybe some long shots i don't know but i'm excited to talk about it and i've already uh commissioned the what's the company that has to oversee the like draft lottery oh um god they do like the envelope stuff yeah um, the envelope stuff whatever company that is that is the company I have commissioned to do draft order, and it came out Hayden Josh Bill. So Hayden, you are first yes. on the clock. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go down to the basics here. Like you said, there's like four million different options yes. here, but I'm just gonna go to what I know best: that AJ Brown is very good, and that regression <laughs> exists. So I'm gonna fade the recency bias, and I'm gonna go with basically all of the hires for him. Uh, right now, I'm looking mm-hmm. at. Uh, eight targets and even last game uh he had eight targets but jalen hurts only had 25 pass attempts and i think Mm -hmm. one of my biggest angles in this in this game is that the eagles play much faster in neutral situations and then they run Mm -hmm. the ball out to close games out and on the season they're averaging a plus nine point differential but they're only about one point favorites in this Mm -hmm. game so i think that they're neutral pace is going to really pick up in first half they run way more plays than they do in the second half so i just think there's going to be more opportunity for play volume in this game and mm-hmm. if you look back even in the last game they were trying to throw the ball underneath to aj brown pretty early in that game so yeah. i have his targets closer to, to like 10 and a half i Ooh. have his yards and my projections at 82 and most of the places have them in the 70s so i think there's an opportunity for aj brown to take advantage of just more pass volume and play volume in general and then He's been balling out with touchdowns. He, he scored mm-hmm. three and a half more touchdowns than my model would expect based off of his usage. But on his deep targets, he's actually underperformed. And we know that A.J. Brown is a, an above-average player, especially downfield with his explosiveness. Yep. So I think that some longest receptions could also be 
in order for him. So there really isn't a AJ Brown uh, line that I have not had some interest in. Ooh, yeah. I mean, certainly AJ Brown has had a would be long touchdown overthrown each of the two playoff yes. games at the very beginning of the game last week. You saw. They went out and I think it was an RPO where they threw him the ball in the very first play of the game. If I'm not mistaken, AJ Brown, we all know, is a baller we don't need to have. Like, like we can talk about the analytic. If you watch AJ Brown play, you know what he can do. Um, and all these props seem very attainable against a very middling Chiefs defense is going to start several rookies at cornerback. AJ Brown, 72 and a half for the receiving yards over at Caesars, which is the prop that we prop book we're using five and a half receptions over is plus 112 longest reception is 26 and a half over is one seven minus 117 i mean hardly would be a surprise if aj brown went over all that very quickly in this game bill i love that first point that you made because when i try to predict this game which is very mm-hmm. seemingly unpredictable it feels like at this point in the week i've firmly feel that Jalen Hurts has to hit one of those 20-plus yard deep shots outside the numbers. And to Mm -hmm. your point, he hasn't done that lately. I mean, during the regular season, he was 22 of 56 on 20-plus yard throws with 11 touchdowns on those 22 completions, okay? Since that week 15 AC joint injury, he's just 3 of 10. 3 of 10 in three games. And as you said, just going back to the last game that they played, I mean, first quarter, third and nine in their own half was a three by one. A.J. Brown runs right past Travarius Ward and, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Hurts misses him by four yards upfield. And there was another play where he threw it about four yards out of bounds. Absolutely no chance. So mm-hmm. to me, what we have seen from A.J. Brown this year He's always been fantastic, but in the past, you know, he's been so great in those intermediate and downfield targets over the middle of the field with the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans and running after the catch. He's truly emerged as this outside the numbers deep threat in this offense, along with Devontae Smith on the opposite side of the field doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's so important because if defenses like they have for so much of this season try to slow down the inside zone and the running game and, you know, bring a safety mm-hmm. down into the box and so it's only single high – then you have to make them pay. You have to make them pay. And I firmly believe that hitting one or two or three of those is going to be a huge key to victory on those, you know, three to four plays that changes the entire landscape of a game. Oh, this was beautiful. I got the analytics and I got the scheme. I got the yin and the yang. Perfect here from you two guys. You nailed it. Okay, Josh, your turn. So I think there's a few ways I could continue this on with the Eagles, but why don't we jump on over to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I actually want to talk about Isaiah Pacheco going higher or over his 15 and a half receiving yards. Okay. I think a lot of people view because of just the styles of the runners and the types of backs that are on this Mm -hmm. roster with Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon, that McKinnon is more of the passing down back, which he is. He's great in pass pro, but lately Jerk McKinnon's just been not very good, you know, like since mm-hmm. week 15, he's done absolutely nothing as a runner. Um, he's carried the ball 24 times for 43 scoreless yards. Okay. With a long carry of seven in that time. So again, since week 15, Jerk McKinnon has, is averaging 1.8 yards per carry. You might say, well, it's opponent, bad blocking, so on and so forth. Well, Isaiah Pacheco is posting 5.2 yards per carry. Now the people mm-hmm. out there might be asking, you brought up receiving. You're talking about rushing. I just think in general that the team is going to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands in this game. And 
if Isaiah Pacheco is better as a runner, we've also seen glimpses as the season has gone along and as he has earned trust of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes, that mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco is being left out there in passing situations as well. So just 15 and a half receiving yards, that might just be two completions, two catches in this game. And especially if they go down on the scoreboard, which might be a prediction of mine, I, I firmly believe that Isaiah Pacheco, despite, you know, again, not having the, the, the type of skill set that many people project for receiving yards. This is where he's going to uh, make his mark for us in the betting markets. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco, like you said, his role has been growing. Um, Jared Buchanan's role shrank in the AFC championship game. And I think one of the ways, and I'm going to get to this at one of my picks as well, but I think one of the ways the Chiefs are going to try and slow down the Eagles pass rush and give Mahomes options is throwing into the flat. And, and they're going to be very comfortable throwing to Pacheco in the flat. And he's yep. a guy who with the ball in his hands, he can get to this number with one uh, catch. Like, like it's not out of the, he doesn't need two or three necessarily. He can get there with one 16 yard catch. So um, I absolutely think that is something I'm on board with as well. Yeah. The thing I'm debating with this is Jarek McKinnon, his route rate dropped to 33%. It was kind of hovering around 50%. Um, mm-hmm. Jarek McKinnon is definitely more trusted on just as a pass protector um, yep. just because he's not a rookie, but throw in like the wrinkles of like Clyde Edwards, the being active. And obviously if he's active, he's at least has a higher opportunity to be playing on some passing downs compared to Ronald Jones. So I, I kind of have like a very similar one with Jarek McKinnon going lower than his 22 and a half receiving yards, just because he he's been dealing with that ankle injury. I think that's why he mm-hmm. ran fewer routes last week. Um, and if CH is active, even if he just plays like two or three more snaps than Ronald Jones, like that's where we kind of start getting uh, some of these lowers to come in order. Plus he's just been like balling out on probably unsustainable ways. Like think about some of these scrambles uh, that Mahomes has flicks it over Jared McKinnon, sure. who like then mm-hmm. takes off for 50 yards. I'm not sure how sustainable that is. So <laughs> I, I have the same read as Josh. I just have it with uh, Jared McKinnon on uh, lower than 22 and a half receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I, I was looking at some of the Chiefs props for the number of players who are going to have a carry in this game. Oh, and yeah, I'll go with that one as my next one. Actually, um, I have total number of Chiefs with a rush attempt over four and a half at minus one eighty. Ooh, name them. So, Mahomes, okay. McKinnon, Pacheco. I think those are locks. Tony, no, I say that. I say that McKinnon's going to like pull his hamstring. <laughs> I know in more or something. <laughs> Two catches, zero uh, rushes. <laughs> yes, Tony, who I will talk more about later. Love it. Uh, yes. Hint at another prop bet. Um, Shaq Moore. Shaq. I keep saying Shaq Moore, the U.S. national team right back. When I mean to say Sky Moore, yes. the uh, the disappointing first year wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then there's the question of Ceh. Who? Mm. I mean, I don't think he's going to win his job back. I don't think he's going to play a big role in this game, but. Would I be surprised if he got a carry or two carries? Not really. I mean, Ronald Jones got came off the bench to get a carry last week in the AFC Championship game or two weeks ago in the AFC Championship game. So I would not be surprised if CEH got a carry or two. And that's six. We don't need six. Yep. We can get there with five. So I I feel like, you know, given how Andy Reid does rotate his backs, given how I think they're going to use their receivers in the running game, I think they can get to six, so I think five shouldn't be a problem. Bill, I love this call. Um, I actually love Kadarius Tony getting a carry as well, and this mm-hmm. kind of dovetails into 
what I've talked about with Josh McCown recently posted a video on our YouTube channel about this of the red zone wizardry, the sorcery that Andy yep. Reid brings to the table. I mean, over their last five games, Bill, the Chiefs have scored a touchdown on 82.3% of their red zone drives. I mean, the league wow. average for this season is at 55%. It's not so stuff. Of the 64 total touchdowns they scored this year, 55 of them have been in the red zone. And it's because wow. of a multitude of things. Like one, we know just how great Travis Kelsey is in one-on-one -on -one situations. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes and his ad-lib improv nature. But so much of it is the misdirection, the draw them up, the scheme them up style that Andy Reid brings to the table that now two weeks to do it. And when we think back, there have been games where Kadarius Tony is that motion jet sweep orbit motion guy, right? Mm -hmm. We've also seen Michael Hardman score, what, three touchdowns against the San Francisco 49ers. So mm -hmm. that those players, even though that they are, let's say, incomplete in terms of their evaluations, there are some major flaws to them. That speed just behind the line of scrimmage to get the – defense just guessing and uncertain of what they're seeing is so important in this Andy Reid red zone offense. And so I, I would be shocked actually, if Kadarius Tony does not have a touch, let's say inside of the 10, inside of the five yard mm -hmm. line in this game. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be oh well I'm trying not to. I'm trying to go back and forth, but we'll make this a snake draft because I my next pick is Kadarius Tony to score the first touchdown for the Chiefs at plus yes. eight fifty. Um, you know, yes, Kadarius Tony got four snaps last week before getting injured, so absolutely chance that happens again. Chance he doesn't play. I think he's going to play, but there's I guess a chance he's not going to play. But to your point, Josh, I went back and watched that Niners game where they played. Maybe the best defensive line they'll play all year besides the Eagles. I, 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 Niners are great. The Eagles are great. I'm not trying to make a comparison between the two, but thinking, okay, how does Andy Reid attack a great defensive line? And Love Nicole it. Hardman scored three touchdowns in that game. He scored two on jet sweeps, one on a pop pass, which is basically the same thing, but it's the same idea. You're reading one or, in, in their case, two players at the end of the line of scrimmage, taking them out of the play, and you're using the jet sweep to get a numbers advantage. And I think McCall Hardman is better at it than Kadarius Tony. I think Kadarius yeah. Tony is still very good at it. Um, I think that Sky Moore is a step down um, yes. in terms of his explosiveness on those plays. Kadarius moves just different, like sometimes good, sometimes bad. I don't know that it's like a positive thing always, but he just has a different kind of athleticism to him. So, you know, I I I, I will take him to score a touchdown. I wish I could get him to score a rushing touchdown. Hopefully that gets posted at some point, Ooh. but I think I think it'll be a rushing touchdown. I guess it could be a pop pass. That's not a rushing touchdown, but jet sweep, pop pass, that that concept for a touchdown for me, Kadarius Tony, at plus 850. Yeah, he was that. out there for three of the first seven dropbacks before he had that yep. ankle injury, and it sounds like Andy Reid says uh, as of Wednesday that he expects uh, all of these players except McCole Hartman to actually practice. So, 
yeah, this one's tough because I think that the whole part on the Chiefs is just who's going to be out there for snaps and routes and in this case, mm-hmm even rushes just because like Justin Watson, for example, he missed last game with an illness. You have the Nicole Hardman injury. Sky Moore hasn't done anything. So like, are they really going to push Kadarius, Tony and Juju with their injuries? And like MVS pops out of nowhere, but he wasn't a full-time player before uh, all these injuries last week too. So I think that's like the, the probably my favorite part of this uh, handicap is just who's going to be out there. And then like you bring in the backup tight ends, like Joe Fortson, is in the lineup and they go to three t- uh, tight end sets. So mm-hmm. I-, I can't imagine what the galaxy braining Andy Reed's play sheets going to have <laughs> with the Super Bowl on the line and all these weapons. Um, so yeah, I- give me anything with Kadarius Tony. I- I'm hoping he's healthy and this would be the time to unleash him with basically everything on the line. And Bill, to go all the way back to your original point here with over mm-hmm. four and a half people getting carries on the Chiefs end, they've done some cool stuff with, you know, Mahomes pointing on the left side and then, you know, they'll run Noah Gray up under center mm-hmm. and then ask him to yep. carry the ball on, yep. you know, third and one, fourth and one near the goal line instead of having Patrick Mahomes do it. Um, and it wasn't just that 49ers game, which is a great call, Bill. If you even go back to week one when they demolished the Arizona Cardinals, mm-hmm. uh, on like four of the five red zone touchdowns that they scored in that game, Miko Harmon is running full sprint laterally across the formation. You know, I'm actually incredibly nervous of what happens to the Chiefs if they don't have Miko Harmon, which he's not playing, or Kadarius Tony if he gets injured in the middle of the game, because then they truly don't have a player like that on the roster. And it felt like last week when they were on the field and they got in that situation, MVS kind of became that player, you know? And again, I, I want to go back to these are, I'm not, I'm not trying to hype up Tony or Hardman as these awesome players, but when a play caller understands the skill sets of his team and in a tight field situation can space defenses out because of that speed, just pre-snap when, you know, they can't be touched, then it's perfect use of where a player wins. And I, I truly do. And this can come back to bite me truly do feel like Kadarius Tony is going to be a pivotal piece in order for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It does feel weird that Hardman feels like a very essential player for the Chiefs when you don't think about them as a essential player, but his role, especially in this game, would have been so important for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Josh, I believe in our snake draft. Now you are up next. Yeah. Um, where should I go with this one? Okay. I'm going to go way <laughs> off the board. I, I know I'm sure people tuned into the show wanting us to talk about like the, the superstars. Uh, well, I'm about to talk about Quez Watkins. <laughs> and, and He's a superstar. <laughs> Quez Watkins under one and a half receptions here. Um, we've seen some big plays from Quez Watkins this year and then, Certain games, he's been a factor and certain ones not. Well, those on-off splits totally go to if Dallas Goddard is playing and if he doesn't play. Again, in the games that Dallas Goddard missed, Quez Watkins averaged 4.8 targets, 3.6 receptions, and a 75% catch rate. With Dallas Goddard on the field, 1.9 mm-hmm. targets, 1.1 receptions, and a 57.7% catch rate. So it truly is a team that, as we've talked about, A.J. Brown, star. Devontae Smith, incredible. Dallas Goddard, one of the best yards after catch tight ends in the league and how they use him in RPOs and screens and all the sort is, is awesome. But they obviously don't even need, to me, that third pass catcher to be um, consistent, sustainable, 
every single week. And I think Quez Watkins in a game, again, that we talk about, you need two weeks to prepare. Like we saw one single shot play. I think it was against the Minnesota Vikings that he scored for a long touchdown. I think they can dial that one up. So I don't necessarily want to take like his 16 and a half or whatever it is, receiving yards uh, over or under. Instead, I just want to focus on the volume here. And I think he's going to hit the under one and a half receptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, base, I, basically, this just comes down to how much three wide receiver sets are you expecting? Or uh, yeah, three wide receiver sets, and I think a lot of this just like kind of correlates with what's your view on who wins this game. If if right. you think that the Chiefs are going to win, then Quez Watkins probably going to play more snaps. If you think the Eagles are going to win, like I think Josh does, then in theory that it would be using a second tight end to run the game out, the, the pace would slow down and all that stuff. So I think that this one's basically: are you on Team Eagles or on Team Chiefs? I mean, I there was a prop somewhere, not not related to our conversation here, where it was Isaiah Pacheco receiving yards versus Quez Watkins receiving yards. And Quez, granted, can get there on one big play and might get there with one reception and still be under. But I, I leaned Pacheco there, uh, maybe famous last words. But yeah, I, I think, you know, Quez is a player who can hit big plays, certainly. He, we saw him he was the one who had that long play against the commanders, right? Where he was going to score and then he, he fell down and then fumbled and that ended up costing so. them the game. Um, so we know he can hit that stuff, but like you said, the, the stuff about Jalen hurts throwing deep is also a question. You know, I, I think there's legit concerns about his accuracy. I know his uh, adjusted completion percentage, which is a measure of your accuracy after accounting for drops and throwaways. Um, according to ESPN, it was at like 73% during the regular season and down to about 58% so far uh, since week 18 in the three games against the Giants and the Niners. So I think there's reasonable concerns about Quez Watkins and about Jalen Hurts' ability to throw deep. So I'm, I'm with you there. I think that makes sense. Um, Aiden, your turn. So going back to the Chiefs wide receiver rotation, and I think it's pretty easy to kind of just not be on Juju because the recency bias and he hasn't been uh, doing as well. We have the injury concerns, but if you look into like his dropbacks and routes on them in the playoffs, he's become a full-time player. And that was not necessarily the case uh, late in the regular season, but in the divisional game, he ran a route on 88% of dropbacks. And then before his injury last week, he was out there for 82 of them. He ran around on 18 of the first 22 dropbacks. So if Andy Reid's not lying to us, um, which obviously is, is not a guarantee, uh, I think that Juju is going to be out there for probably more snaps than expected. So the one I, I'm looking at is first Chiefs player with a reception. Juju's at plus 600. So that's mm-hmm. about 14% implied probability. I have his uh, just team share of targets at 18% on the entire game. So if you do have some injury concerns, that would be affecting him disproportionately later in the game. So I actually like this on the first snap. If he's out there and he's healthy, he's going to be out there to start the game. And that's when I would want to be taking advantage of this. But I've seen some places hang his uh, game line at like 35 and a half. If he's a full-time player, I think like the true line should be closer to like 50 52 yards wow so really it just kind of comes down to how healthy is he and i think that later in the week we should have a couple more answers but uh if if you are scared of the injury i do think that just hopping on the first reception you can catch this pass and then twist his ankle and you'd still possibly have a chance at, at taking this one home 
Yeah. I mean, the only two players ahead of him in the the money lines there are Kelsey, which, of, of course, and then Jarek McKinnon, who we talked about maybe not being um, the feature guy, especially early. wouldn't shock me if Pacheco started the game for Kansas City. So, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, obviously. Uh, plenty of options there. Any the field is twenty five hundred. Who would have to catch a pass for the field to hit that one? Marcus Kemp. Oh. Is, is the fullback listed? <laughs> he's got a pass. No, no, the fullback is not uh, Michael Burden, right? He's not yeah. listed. Um, Noah Gray is Hardman, Moore, Tony Pacheco, Valdez Scantling, Juju McKinnon, Kelsey. So Ceh could catch a pass, and yeah, that Fortson. Fort Jody, Joe Fortson, who I think is actually going to be a meaningful player in this game, because I think we're going to see a lot of Chiefs in 13 personnel in this game. Um, Justin Justin Watson is not listed there. I have some Justin Watson takes. I do not want to bore your give, audience Give the with. scariest one. <laughs> give the scariest one right now, Hayden. Well, he is a positive regression on deep targets, and that's kind of his eight off. I got 20 yards, but on yeah. uh, targets 15 yards downfield, his catch rate is only 35%. He had like one of the highest drop rates in the league. Um, I think everyone's under the assumption that he's one of the worst wide receivers that actually gets playing time, but he actually does get playing time because he's the one that they trust in these three tight end sets yep. as the isolated one wide receiver. Um, so if you do think that uh, they're going to use multiple tight ends, I think that Justin Watson's going to be out there and he, he did not play because of an illness. I thought at first he was a healthy scratch, but it kind of went under the radar. He missed that practice before the last game with an illness. So I don't know what that is. I'm assuming that he's going to be back. And he was actually running and playing just as many snaps as MVS was. So I have, um, unfortunately, scary projections for Justin Watson. And (laughs) (laughs) in particular, like long, longest receptions, all that fun stuff. I think that he is like a long shot option because let's be honest, I don't think there's many people going out of their way to to be on team Justin Watson, the Super Bowl. Just to wrap that plus, up, Bill, yeah, plus 2,200 uh, for Justin Watson is the first Kansas City Chief to score a touchdown. And then a name mm-hmm. that we all keep mentioning, Jody Fortson at plus 3,000 to be the first touchdown score on the Chiefs, which I think is is meaningful too, because we've seen games where they line him up near the goal line, talking about these red zone packages, as like the lone X wide receiver. And if he gets a smaller corner, then it's just a, a one-on-one isolated matchup. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I... I, I I think it's perfect conversation where we're talking about all these random players or imperfect players for the chiefs. And they also have like the best offense in the league. Cause it like perfectly signifies the evolution of where we were at last year with the chiefs versus mm-hmm. this year with the chiefs, you know, it's just so many players that have certain skill sets, certain strengths, certain weaknesses, but being used in a variety of situations and they're just less reliant on these big plays, you know? And mm-hmm. so anyone, Anyone can make an impact at any given time. And uh, I think that goes back to not just those individuals, but namely the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes mind meld that they have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hayden, you are back on the clock. So this is probably my favorite angle on anything. And there's a bunch of different props, uh, pick and projections that you can kind of take. But I'm basically fading uh, Jake Elliott, the Eagles kicker, for basically <laughs> the reason of the Eagles by far uh, are the most aggressive team in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. They go for it on fourth downs when like models expect them to go for it. Like 88 or like 80% of the time, like the league average is like closer to 40%. They're basically a complete outlier. And you got to remember all of the stats that we're taking from the Eagles are with that point differential at, at plus nine. So they've mm-hmm. been aggressive with leads and against what is like one of the softest strength of schedules for a Super Bowl team. I think since 2006, 
Wow. They're going to be looking across the field and seeing Patrick Mahomes. And I have listened to too many interviews from this front office, from Nick Sirianni, just from everybody uh, attached to the Eagles. I don't see them kicking too many field goals here. So the, the one I found that I like the best is the longest field goal. I have it with the Chiefs. Uh, that's at minus 120 implied odds of 55%. I have the mm-hmm. field goal projections for the Eagles at, at, at about one and the field goal projections for the Chiefs at 1.6. Uh, their mm-hmm. averages uh, are on the season. The the Chiefs have kicked 32 field goals. The Eagles, 23rd. They were actually 31st in field goal attempts this year, despite scoring that many points because they're so aggressive on fourth downs. But the uh, even beyond that, 40-plus yard field goal attempts, the Chiefs had 15 of them. The Eagles only had eight because when you are looking at like the fourth down models, when they're the ball's at like a 35-yard line, that's kind of typically the range where the models say, you know what? Go for it because the odds you're making this field goal are obviously lower. It's a longer field goal. Mm-hmm. So disproportionately, the field goals do not go on the long side for the Eagles. So um, I, I'm on Jake Elliott uh, lower on 1.5 field goals made this game. Uh, but I think that this one is even stronger than that on the longest field goal. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating that you guys have like set up multiple props that I had. Uh, listed here <laughs> and just like and given better analyses than I would have given of my own picks. I had something very similar to this. I think I had out or had a team with the most field goals in the game is the Chiefs at minus 120. Um, yes. But you have yours was the longest field goal, right? Yeah, longest field goal. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that makes sense. As you can tell by the fact that I made a very similar prediction, um, absolutely, uh, is how the Eagles will approach this game. I think yep. there's no question to me that uh, Nick Sirianni is not going to be you know, wowed by the moment. He's not going to coach differently. We saw him very first drive the NFC Championship game. No question went for it. Didn't actually get it, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The record book shows that they completed a pass to Devontae Smith and scored two plays later. So absolutely think he's going to keep that up here in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Bill, both of these teams are super aggressive on fourth down, as Hayden mentioned, but they do it in very different ways. You know, yep. like the the Eagles, if it's third and seven, they'll try to get it down to fourth and two and fourth and one with the idea that they're definitely going to go for it. If mm-hmm. the and then obviously the rule that will probably be changed this summer, but now it's totally in the rule book of pushing yep. the quarterback from behind like that is an unstoppable play at this moment for the Philadelphia Eagles. On the other hand, the Chiefs don't do that when they get into fourth down, right? And so they almost use these same type of red zone, short yarded situations. And like the fourth and one against the Cincinnati Bengals was the 18 yard touchdown to Travis Kelsey, which was crazy yes. when you think about it, Bill, because it was like a double whip route on the front side. And Juju Smith-Schuster was wide open for about a three yes. or four yard gain in the phase of the play. Yet corner route is totally taken away from Travis Kelsey yet he ends up throwing a back shoulder uh you have the right to get open style yep. of throw 100%. and and it's a one-on-one coverage but still it's it's not a route it wasn't drawn up it just speaks to the relationship and the in phase um style that obviously Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have and so it's it's amazing to me that again these are going to be the most aggressive among them, head coaches in the league are going for it, yet they do it in two totally different ways. And I almost think like when we try to paint narratives on longest field goal or, or total field goals, if that is the case and it does go over, it's because it's like, you know, seven seconds left and you can only get the ball down to the 42-yard line or the 35-yard line, you know, or it's like a game-winning score at the end. Because regardless of any other case, it's going to be that these teams are going to go for it on fourth and short situations.
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's definitely a distinction to be made there. Um, the Eagles, I, yeah, like you said, when you get into the three, four, five, six, seven range, I think that's where teams are loath to be aggressive, even when the numbers say so. And that's not the case for right. the Eagles. And they, that changes the way they play on third down, on second down, on first down. It really does. You can take more shots on first and second down. Like you said that, you know, they're comfortable uh, checking it down and going to something shorter on third down. That changes the way defenses have to play because they can't just play the six. They have to play more aggressively knowing that the Eagles might throw it, you know, for two yards short of the first and then pick up the first on the, on the push sneak. So it, it really is like a fundamental thing for the Eagles. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, number one, if they actually do change the push sneak rule this offseason. And then number two, if there are other teams who adopt the push sneak and then use it to change the way they play offense. I, right. I kind of figure every time a team like this happens where like when the Ron Rivera Panthers were super aggressive on fourth down or Lamar Jackson, the year they went MVP and they were aggressive on fourth down. I'm always like, okay, people are going to see this and they're going to start copying it. And then it doesn't happen. So I'm always like waiting to see if anything actually changes things. Yeah. Good point. Bill, okay. I'm, I'm really nervous just uh, for uh, you in particular. I, I can see uh, the Eagles like going for like some two point conversions. Like we've seen Nick Sirianni like line up uh, with mm-hmm. massive leads, like hoping that they would, they can draw them off sides to go for two. And I can see this coming down to where the Eagles are going all out for touchdowns and two-point conversions, and one of these things backfiring. And then we have to uh, spend the entire week where people are saying analytics has ruined the sport and Sirianni's dumb. And then I know that they're going to make you have to defend the analytics portion of this. And your mentions <laughs> will already be aflame. So I'm, I'm hoping that they actually convert these successfully just for you in particular. Thank you. Thank you very much. It'll be a fun couple of weeks with the process. The good thing is like every single team like every, like like honestly outside of maybe one or two going forward and fourth down the team that's been more aggressive has almost always won during the postseason and Imagine. it's worked very often which means there's been absolutely no conversation about it whatsoever which is funny thankfully yes um josh you are okay uh, i'll i'll you know eat the chalk here a little bit and let's talk about okay. the eagles running game because i firmly believe that this is the, let's say, element of offense or even entire portion of this game and matchup that is the big, biggest strong suit for one team over the other, like the biggest mismatch. And it's the Eagles' offensive line inside zone against this Chiefs' defensive front. And what we saw against the San Francisco 49ers, albeit the scoreboard was a bit out of whack, was these weak side runs where, I mean, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw are like two of the best linebackers in the league, right? But they just had no answer for, you know, a stack on the right side and then Miles Sanders or Boston Scott or Kenneth Gainwell or whoever, uh, almost as a zone read, read option, or even just called play to the left side. And they just couldn't get over top of Travis Kelsey because they did like this mm-hmm. pen pool with the guard and then, or excuse me, Jason Kelsey um, getting to the second level. So if you try to work over top of him, you're lost. You've lost. If you try to work underneath him, you've lost as well. And I just think of how they were able to do that against, again, Warner and Greenlaw. And now you kind of get these, I'm not going to say, I am going to say chaotic linebackers and Willie Gay and Nick Bolton at the second level for, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's a number of ways that I can attack this. And I mainly want to do it through Miles Sanders, to be honest with, with you, because 
if you look at just the rush attempt share among the Eagles running backs when they've either trailed in the game or winning by fewer than seven points, Miles Sanders owns 79% of those running back carries. Now, when they were up by at least seven, which we've seen a lot this season for the Philadelphia Eagles, they've blown out the New York Giants, they've blown out a bunch of these teams, right? That dropped down to 61%. So when they have huge leads, that's when you see more Boston Scott. That's when you see more Kenneth Gainwell. So there's a number of ways to do this through Miles Sanders. You know, it's as easy if you want to go higher than his 60 and a half rushing yards over at underdog. But then you can also look at the yards of his first carry for Miles Sanders at Caesars. It's three and a half over and under, or the longest rush is 13 and a half. I almost want to go to the longest rush of the over 13 and a half yards for Miles Sanders. Cause again, I really feel like this is the key, the key mm-hmm. element for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to impose their will in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that is def- definitely to me the biggest mismatch. Um, Hayden, do you agree? Um, I kind of agree. I know that they can do that, but I, well, no, it's just because <laughs> AJ Brown is so good. He's going to be facing rookies that I, I can kind of see this going either way. That's what makes it difficult, though. The Eagles they like change their game plan on a week to week basis, probably yeah. more than series to series, down to down basis. You know, it's, yeah. it's even in game they do it. Yeah, like I'm looking at their neutral pass rates and they'll have some games where it'll be like at 70, 80 percent and they'll have other games where they're in the low 40s. So mm-hmm. um, I, of those, I like the efficiency stats, like that first carry going to Miles Sanders. But my projections are like right in line. Um, I have it at 60 rushing yards for Miles Sanders, too. And I, I, I definitely agree with Josh. Boston Scott is the is the player that gets more snaps. And if you're looking at just like his recent box scores, you would be laughing at the current lines for, for Boston Scott, but all of them happen in garbage time and against the New York giants. And neither of those things are going to be true probably in this game, at least as I expect it. So um, I like Miles Sanders, especially if you can find some like first quarter, first half lines. I think that's going to definitely skewed my, to towards Miles Sanders because Boston Scott is just the garbage time king. Bill, just quickly mm-hmm. on a point that Hayden made, um, this Eagles team truly does lean into what is working in a game. And you can go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was really bad weather. And mm-hmm. from like the third quarter on, all they did was run the ball. Like they did it like 11 of 12 times in a row. Then I believe it was the next week they faced the Arizona Cardinals. You know, I think Jason Kelsey left for a period of time. Lane Johnson left for a period of time or whoever. They had some offensive line injuries. So instead of against a somewhat dynamic pass rushing group, they just decided to run the ball even more. I firmly believe that if the success of the running game is there from that first series, they're just going to lean into it and then go off of there uh, after they are stopped, if they are stopped. So I know that that's not the funnest thing. And Hayden wants them to throw the ball immediately because they have these awesome wide receivers against rookie corners. But in the day, man, it's the Jeff Stoutland front five, awesome offensive line, the depth that they've created over the years, that it's the identity of this team, and then it grows from there on out. And so mm-hmm. the running game is so pivotal for me for the Eagles to win this matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's hard to – I guess not hard. I guess they could theoretically win a game where they have like 50 yards rushing, but I would be surprised at the very least. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, I agree with that. Who else? Oh, it's my turn now. Yep. Crap. The problem is you guys took like three of my picks, so I have to find one on the fly. I'll give you one that I have for sure, and then I'll come up with one uh, on the fly as well. I have outcome of the first Eagles drive is a touchdown at plus 250. And so this year, the Eagles, on their first drive of the year, they've had 19 opening drives in 19 games. They've scored 10 touchdowns, 10 
out of 19 is like 52 and a half percent. So that's a good sign. Now, admittedly, they're not going to do that every single week in terms of like, like I don't think their actual expectation for this game is 52 and a half percent. 19 is not a big sample, obviously more drives to work with, but I don't think the Chiefs are a very imposing defense. And I do think that Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts have two weeks to scheme some stuff up, to script some stuff, to practice some stuff. And I think they're going to have stuff dialed up for the Chiefs in this game. I think that it's not 50-50, maybe closer to like 45, but there's still enough, you know, kind of wriggle room in that uh, 250 line to make this a, a plus AV bet for me. I like this. Well, the good news I, here. I, go ahead, Hayden. Well, the first play is going to be Miles Sanders uh, over three and a half yards, and then he's going to have a yes. big shot to A.J. Brown. Yeah. And then we're going to have uh, a Jalen Hurts get the first touchdown possibly on a quarterback <laughs> sneak, and we, we've hit all of these. Beautiful, beautiful. We can all celebrate the first drive. Um, it just makes sense to me. Just, just I figure that's how they... That is that is to, to me the most likely outcome, and this is just this is not the first drive of the game. Period. This is the first Eagles drive of the game. So right. even if the Chiefs get the ball first and score, which is hardly out of the question, the Eagles are great. I do think the RC Chiefs are great. The Eagles, I think, on their first possession will score a touchdown. This is only anecdotal, Bill, but yep. and maybe you have the numbers in front of you. I feel like the two teams that had the best success once they like figured out who they were on offense this season, and some of them had happened earlier, were the Eagles and the Bengals um, in terms of just getting points or even touchdown drives immediately. And just the ability to script that or, again, lean into what is working and continue to run that and then evolve off of it. Uh, I really like this one, Bill. I do. Uh, I have to have another one, though, to finish yep. the draft up. Our final round here. Uh, I'm going to figure out one on the fly. Can I'll, I'll do I'll do a player prop. I will do a player prop because those are the ones that are easiest to do. I will do a player prop on... Hmm, who do I want to do a player prop with? I will do Jalen Hurts okay. under 10.5 rush attempts at minus 135. I do have a reasonable lean here of course you know the eagles are going to rotate their backs like you said miles sanders will be the first guy as the game goes on you know if they're winning boston scott will figure in i i just think we have seen teams this postseason whether it was the giants whether it was the niners in general prefer to have the running backs on this roster beat them as opposed to jalen hurts there was a lot of read concepts in the playbook against the giants and in many cases they were asking Jalen Hurts to hand the ball off and give it to somebody else. I think the Chiefs are more likely to try and make Jalen Hurts a passer in this game than a runner. I think the Eagles, of course, are going to use Jalen Hurts as a runner. That's inevitable. He's going to scramble a couple of times. We'll have designed runs. If he gets a bunch of sneaks, this this prop is in trouble, I'll admit. Exactly. But I do think that um, this is a game where we see Jalen Hurts put into a role from the Chiefs' perspective as a traditional passer as much as possible. Um, you said it was at 10 and a half? 10 and a half. Okay. I, I, I like that number at 10 and a half. I, I have some numbers that maybe contradict some of what you said, and now I'm second-guessing them because why would I Please. ever do that with you, Bill? Please, but go for it. I think he averaged 8.7 designed runs or, or carries, I should say, during the regular yep. season. And Plus then, Niels. Right. And then 18 design runs in two playoff games so far this year. Now, I think the success of those have been worse because he'll like go down, 
before contact rather than, you know, trying to run through people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's weird where it's this team. You, so, so often when you think about quarterback runs, you think, well, that's for them to, to gain yardage, but then how the Eagles, as we've already talked about, it can be kneel downs. It can be the fourth and one conversions. They just gets pushed so on and so forth. So 10 and a half though. I mean, both of those numbers go under that one. So uh, 10 and a half is, is a pretty steep number to, to go above. I, I would say. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of Tucson. Uh, it, it is on minus one thirty-five. So, yeah, I like the Jalen Hurts for the first rush just because it's at three and a half. Um, mm-hmm. The first rush probably could be a scramble, and when he does Absolutely. scramble, he averages seven point eight yards, and then in his designed runs are at three point seven. That includes uh, the sneaks at the goal line and stuff. So on the first drive, hopefully Jalen Hurts could scramble around. So that's where I'm like kind of debating, like, all right, if if he is dr- dropping back more often, is he going to have more rushing yards? Not necessarily attempts, but yards just because um, the longest runs for quarterbacks are off the scramble. It's not the design runs unless your name's Justin Fields. Um, but I think the first the first rush probably should be closer to four and a half just because that's probably a higher likelihood of a scramble rather than either mm-hmm. a QB kneel, which is obviously in the back halves, or with a, a goal line carry and hopefully that he scrambles uh, before he gets in that situation. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh, your last pick is up. I've got two, and they're both an underdog. Uh, and, they're, <laughs> and, and, and they're both player versus player uh, in our rival section, so go and check okay. that out. Um, I have talked so much about Miles Sanders running the ball, but I have Kenny Gainwell over Miles Sanders by a half reception. He's only giving a half Ooh. reception to, to Miles Sanders. And, I mean, just going back to this, the Chiefs rank, I believe, 32nd in receptions allowed to running backs, 31st in receiving yards allowed to running backs, and 28th in running back coverage, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. And this would, again, it's almost like if-then statements with a lot of these player props. But the receiving, I think, workload, if the Eagles are going to go down, that's when they would leave Kenneth Gainwell in the ball game more and more, and even on, you know, one and a half, two minute, three minute situation. So there's one of those. The other one I have goes back to another point that Hayden made. Juju Smith-Schuster is only giving Noah Gray 22 and a half receiving yards. So this is almost a full-time player at wide receiver, even out there in two wide receiver sets versus Noah Gray, who might be one of four tight ends. Like we didn't even mention Blake Bell, who's back That's and true. is playing, I believe. So we mentioned Jody Fortson, how he can line up there and has been important in terms of passing and pass catching. So again, Kenneth Gainwell, over Miles Sanders by a half reception and Juice Schuster more uh, than 22 and a half receiving yards than Noah Gray puts out there. Mm-hmm. I love this one. Uh, I have a metric called passing situation targets, and it basically only uh, counts running back targets when the team's trailing, if it's a third and fourth down, if it's in the mm-hmm. two minute drill, like when it's like very clearly this is the role he's in. And on the season, Kenny Gainwell is averaging 1.4 of these passing situation targets per game, Miles Sanders doesn't have a single one all year. So if this game is going to be in neutral situations, if there's a two minute drill, um, if they're trailing by a touchdown later in the game, I think that Kenny Gainwell has like nothing but upside and Miles Sanders. I just don't think that they trust him based off his pass protection. And also those fumbles that he's had from a couple seasons ago, um, where I, I just think that he's going to run way more routes than Miles Sanders will. So it's very defined roles. It's like, Kenny Gainwell on passing downs, Miles Sanders early in the game, and then if they have a lead or they're playing the Giants, Boston Scott's going to run the game out uh, later later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is 
definitely a possibility. Boston Scott could get like, you know, a goal line carry early in the game. That's not out of the question either, but um, I do think that makes sense. Um, Hayden's last we're one. finishing up here. Hayden, finishing up the draft with your final pick. So this Will one you be- also sneak two in like Josh did? Yes. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting my money's worth on the Bill Please. Barnwell show. Please go um, for it. So we'll go like just complete galaxy brain stuff over here to end this out. Really long odds. I like it. But the Eagles, I just feel like Nick Sirianni has been like dying to go for two one of these games. And there's like mm-hmm. there's like these situations where if you're like down 10 and it's like later in the game and like all of a sudden everybody from PFF, uh, maybe including myself, maybe even you, Bill, tweet out, hey, you should go for two in this situation. Like that's what the numbers say. And there's game theory reasons. Well, I think 31 teams don't care about that. I do think the Eagles are the one team that probably does. And I just think that Nick Sirianni has been like showing these things for a couple of weeks now. So give me like exact points with like 22. So that's like uh, three, three touchdowns plus going for it to get you to 22. Give me like 25 points. Give me uh, 27 or 29 points. Some of these weird scores. And there's a bunch of different ways of you're like playing like those square games where you have like all a mm. hundred squares available give me like the weird numbers with the eagles just because i think we're going to see some chaos with their decision making so uh if you can find some two-point conversion props i'm sure that those are out there as well uh i just think that nick sirianni has been just really begging for it i think that when he was like yelling at the ref and like turned into the camera from last week i think that was a uh go for two situation that he then called a timeout for so i just Mm -hmm. think that this is just the eagles wanting to be aggressive and there's a bunch of ways to play this, but the longest odd versions is like if it's like 22 points for the Eagles and like 27 for the Chiefs, something like that, you can get really crazy um, numbers on those. <laughs> I love that. That's what you went for. That's awesome. <laughs> Tremendous. Um, are we good? Is that it? Yeah, Bill, uh, a thought. Whoever yes. gets the least amount on our five cards uh, has to do a movie report on Waterworld. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a callback okay i'm in someone has to grade it though yeah you know we'll figure it am out. i gonna we'll have to find buy someone. a vhs for this yes yes it, okay. it's it exists on streaming <laughs> it's not like the technology no longer works let me see where is waterworld streaming hopefully on disney plus that'd be great uh it's oh you're gonna have to pay for it, it? oh it's on it says it's on netflix oh Wow. Are we have to bleep all so, these uh, brand names out? <laughs> no. No. We'll just say that they're not as good as the wonderful Disney Plus, which includes ESPN Plus and Hulu as well. That's another conversation for another day. Uh, Josh, so what's your prediction for the show? Just um, for, for the game. Real oh, quick. don't. Real quick. I, monstrous that you would ask me to do this. I, I literally, I was doing, um, I'm going to go very slow, unfortunately. I literally went on SVP last night to tape SVP and he was like, I'm going to ask you who's going to win. And I was like, well, great. Now I have to pick somebody. And I literally (laughs) got to the end of the segment and did not know who I was going to pick until I said chiefs out loud. And it's, 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 it's only because the, the year of the chiefs Niners Super Bowl, I picked the Niners and I was like, Oh, like the pass rush is going to dominate. And I felt so smart guys for three quarters in the fourth yeah. quarter. I was like, well, I'm a big idiot. Cause I picked the guy, the team that had uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and not Patrick Mahomes. I'm never going to let that happen again. I'm never going to pick against Patrick Mahomes in the super bowl again. Cause I don't want to have to root against Patrick Mahomes for 60 minutes. So yeah. 
I'm just picking the Chiefs because even if the Eagles win, at least I won't have to feel like I'm an idiot for an entire hour of football. <laughs> there you go. Bill, thanks I'm for having me. What about you guys? You can't get away with that. You can't make me pick. And then <laughs> I'll go. Right? I'll go first. I'm not afraid. Chiefs 27, Eagles 25 to get that two point conversion snuck in there. Beautiful. Uh, I mean, I'm on the Eagles ship here. I, I don't think they're they're playing their best football right now of this season, but I do believe they have been the best team of this season. And I'll just go back to it. Definitely, definitely, the dominant matchup of the game is their offensive line and the inside zone versus the Chiefs defense. And that might be boring. You might think I'm a Neanderthal or prehistoric, (laughs) thinking that a team is going to run the ball in the Super Bowl. But when it is this good for and against an opponent that, let's say, maybe average against it, I really do think that that's the the edge that it's going to have the the Eagles to, to win out from early and often from the jump. Mm-hmm. I mean, very defensible. I not hard to imagine a scenario where the Eagles run over the Chiefs. Guys, you are. What exactly are you doing during the Super Bowl? I'm still a little confused <laughs> as to. I know a bus is involved. I know I'm going to be there at so, some point. Beyond yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what's happening. Well, we're on the same boat. You know, we just showed up in Arizona, and then uh, <laughs> we're just doing stuff. No, we we have some bus interviews that'll come out on social. But mainly, what people should be on the lookout for is we're doing a draft stream on friday the first drafts on underdog of the year bill i know this is peaking your ears Mm. uh will be on friday evening it includes rookies it's a million dollar tournament already and so we'll be streaming that on our youtube channel a bunch of stuff uh, already on there with my show with josh mccown and some good stuff from maddie f brown as well but um yeah we'll do a a live draft stream and then we'll have like a a pregame of the pregame on sunday morning too on underdog fantasy's youtube channel Okay, I'll give you one more question, and then we're out of here. Who is one player who is not going to be drafted very highly or drafted at all in those drafts on Friday who will make a difference in the 2023 NFL best ball season? This is a a sicko Hayden question, and so Mm -hmm. he's the only one that can answer this one. (laughs) I mean, I have rankings. Um, one player is Khalil Shakur. Uh, he's probably going undrafted to start. And there's a chance that uh, Isaiah McKenzie's out of there and that they just have to go find somebody. And I thought he showed at least some promise on some of these plays. So I think that he would be somebody that, that would have my interest. Um, but yeah, I, I have rankings. So there's a bunch of them. The, the key really is like, do you have quality rookie takes right now? Because when we launch our tournament on Friday, that will include rookie ADP. Um, so if you think you can predict where rookies are going to get drafted, um, this would be the tournament to go uh, get get some money going. If only we had someone who had a record-setting mock draft here oh, on the podcast. Imagine. imagine. Imagine what that would be like. Love you, Bill. Well, we, we don't. So uh, until then, no, Josh, an excellent mock draft. Doc Drafter um, set the record in 2021. But – that is another conversation for another day. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I will see you soon. Yes, and sir. I hope that you guys have a wonderful week here in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. You too, buddy. See you soon. All right. Thanks so much to underdogs Josh Norris and Hayden Winks. Excellent, excellent content from those guys each and every week on YouTube as well as on the underdogs Underdog Network's website, I believe, the written website. Um, they do great work there as well. We have another, we have another podcast coming this week. 
We have an X's and O's podcast on the Super Bowl with our friends Nate Tice and Jeff Schwartz breaking down the passing and running games for these two teams. So you can listen to that as well if you want more Super Bowl preview content. And then we'll have a recap on Monday uh, after the game happens. We will sound very smart after the game happens. Hopefully we'll sound smart on these two preview podcasts as well. Hope you guys are enjoying the week, getting ready for the big game. Hope you guys enjoy it on Sunday. And we'll be back on Monday to talk more about it here on The Bill Barnwell Show.